Amy Ingerbretson here, professional skier, dog mom, cat lover, podcaster, and your host for Warren Miller Entertainment's Long Underwear. In this podcast, we are sitting down with world-class athletes and industry legends. Nothing is off limits except for one rule. After introductions, there are no more mentions of skiing or snowboarding allowed. We are stripping off the layers and getting to know the skiers and riders underneath the gear. Welcome to Long Underwear. Hi, I'm meteorologist Joel Gratz with Open Snow. We cover everything from industry news to five-day snow forecasts, and we are your one-stop shop for comparing resort snow cams and learning more about the science behind a good powder day. Go to opensnow.com or download the Open Snow app on iPhone or Android. Open Snow is built by skiing weather forecasters like me, just for those of us that want to find the best snow. Hey everybody, welcome to Long Underwear. I, of course, am your host, Amy, and today the podcast is coming to you from quarantine. And being that I'm lucky enough to live with an amazing skier, I have asked slash forced my wonderful boyfriend, Todd Laguerre, to be on the podcast. Todd, welcome to Long Underwear. Hello, hello. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we're on lockdown in California and Tahoe at our house. Mm-hmm. Kind of an odd way for this to happen, but I guess um, now that you're into season three, four. perhaps four, yeah. season four, yeah. so perhaps maybe it is the right time anyways. It I know, doesn't well, feel like nepotism or favoritism anymore. I just, no. you know, interviewed no. a lot of people. Well, you were my um, guinea pig podcast. It's true. Like, I did a practice run on you um, before I did my first episode, so this one's like the official one. Okay, hope it's good. That was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, what's our our situation is we are uh, quarantined in Lake Tahoe and I was in Switzerland filming for Warren Miller and so I had to leave early and come into lockdown and you were in Canada and you got out before the borders closed and what's it what's it been like? Yeah, it was interesting up there. I I kinda felt we felt a little insulated from it. I was in Revelstoke and um I was kinda starting to make a move anyways because the snow had sort of been wind hammered so and then uh sort of made a move south seemed like the right time and then yeah they closed the border i think it was actually the day after i got through and then (laughs) being that you were stuck out here it was kind of the appropriate place to to be it was bill too bill was here that's true i hadn't seen bill in a long time it'd be tough to be quarantined without bill yes yeah bill is our live studio audience Mm -hmm. um he will probably come drink water at some point. Um, okay, so we can talk about skiing at first. This is always your criticism of my podcast that we do talk about skiing. <laughs> Let's no, talk about it. <laughs> I don't think that. Um, so just like in light of the fact that this season has been clipped short, essentially for us, um, what have been your highs of the season so far? I mean, I think the highs are way more right now, right? Because it's taken mm. away from us. True. I guess I can be thankful that I had. I did have actually a pretty – um, good season mm-hmm. before we got shut down. I skied a lot of powder. I just was pretty flexible and was moving around a lot and had really good. I spent a good chunk of it in like interior BC. It was up you had there on three chunks, three up different there, didn't you? chunks. Yeah. And each of those was really amazing. I had some really good days in Wyoming and in Utah when we were there was also really good. So I don't think I have, I mean, obviously it's, it's really hard on all of us, I think, to miss what is kind of the biggest or part of the season I look forward to the most Mm -hmm. as far as getting into bigger terrain. And, you know, I'd saved a lot of my budget and um, time to do an Alaska trip. That's kind of always a big goal of mine every year. So to kind of dismiss that opportunity completely is, is, uh, 
feels like a huge bummer, but on the other hand, yeah, I skied a lot of soft snow this year and, um, in a lot of ways, I think I really scored. So, yeah. Well, we had some good days together, especially mm-hmm. in Wyoming. Yeah. Watched you ski some gnar out there. Yeah. Made me do some scary hill climbs on my sled. <laughs> good. <laughs> um, continuing on just for, you know, more of a general look at your ski career. What would you say have been some of the highs of your entire career in like some standout, be it lines, films, segments, um, you know, moments? What, what, when you look back on your ski career, because I think a lot of people have their opinions of what the highlights of your career are, but what's yeah. what are your opinions? I mean, for sure, I, I would, you know, have to start off by mentioning working with Teton Gravity Research. Like, I think it's been nine movies plus you know, kind of a small piece and even more than that. So, and that was a huge goal of mine right from the beginning. So I think just, just getting my foot in the door and filming with those guys and then stand out for me for sure was getting the opportunity to film with those guys in Alaska. I still kind of feel like, yeah, when I think of like, when I felt like there was like a really momentum in what I was doing, it was kind of like when I had gotten that point, when I like got into some Alaska trips mm-hmm. with TGR as far as specific trips and highlights again yeah i don't know i think again the first one would have to be my first ak trip yeah with those guys which was really brief in the end it was really just a couple of days but it's kind of it just felt like i had achieved something that I had in my head for like a really long time that's hmm. my favorite part so one for the road is a movie uh, that, that part, has yeah. a lot of you in it you have the opener mm-hmm. you have a middle seg and you have the closing mm-hmm. and that's the one where you do that huge huge front flip in wyoming that everybody mm-hmm. knows of but the best part of that movie is when you get the call to go to Alaska from TGR yeah, yeah. and you open up your Razor cell phone. But like this was well into the time where everyone else had like iPhones and like you like flip open your Razor like, frame, yeah. hello. <laughs> That's actually interesting kind of story because uh, definitely people have asked me whether or not that was staged shoot. Mm-hmm. And that actually was not. It wasn't. No, that was like, that was actually you. a real surprise. Um uh, part of the theme of that movie was kind of the traveling element. So mm-hmm. I had the cameraman in the room, but without being suspicious about it because they were just, they're like, Hey, we're going to film like a packing scene. I think I was like gearing up to leave anyways, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was sort of like a natural time to shoot that. And then they had worked on the back end, you know, like, Hey, we're in the room or whatever, like yeah. getting the call now. Awesome. So like Todd Jones called and, and uh, it's funny to watch that scene because I can, you know, I can see how people maybe were a suspect of it or, or maybe they just assumed that there's like no way that they would have had the timing down to nail yeah. that shot or whatever but it was actually real real yeah i didn't know that yeah i don't know if i ever thought about it. i don't know your reaction so genuine i guess i thought it was probably real yeah i mean maybe it would be a hard scene to act well the rest of your acting in that movie is very good oh thanks yeah okay one more skiing question that maybe people that know your career super well don't know you foreran the salt lake city olympics mm. um in two different events Correct. That's true. Yeah. What was that like? Because you have you had a huge. um, You were really into ski racing. Yeah, that's definitely my background, and did that through college, and it paid for school, which I'm grateful for. And yeah, 2002. That was hometown. I I grew up ski racing in Park City, so that was like uh, where the GS was. Was my home hill. You you four in the GS and the and the slalom, which was at Deer Valley that that year. And yeah, it was really cool. I, I think when you're really young, you have these like crazy aspirations, you know, I mean, they announced when they're going to do the 2002 Olympics quite a bit ahead of time. I mean, I don't know, maybe 10 years or something. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. So in your head, you're like, oh, I'll be like 18 or something like maybe I'll be competing or something, mm-hmm. you know, but 
with the exception of a few like really stand out, you know, ski racers, you're not really like at that level at that, level age. At that age. But, you know, in your head, it's yeah. a kid dreaming, you're like, oh, maybe I'll do that, you know. And I uh, was not at the level to be <laughs> racing in the Olympics at that point. But it was, yeah, it was a really cool honor and cool moment, like skiing into a huge stadium of people at that point. Because I had forerun the World Cup that they, they would used to have on that hill back then too. But it was different. I mean, the Olympics, the energy of the Olympics and stuff was different. definitely different. Didn't you say that your like time on one of those forums was actually pretty decent? It was, yeah. Um, I can't remember exactly, but the, you know, the but I think a lot of people don't understand is the Olympics is actually slightly less competitive than your typical World Cup right. because each country can people. only field yeah. four people rather than like certain countries would you know, have I feel like half I, a dozen competitive I remember you so. telling me that, like, I don't remember if it was the G, it was probably the GS mm-hmm. or which one, whatever. Yeah. I think it was a GS where your time would have put you, like, like at 20th place. Or no, 20th. I think it was, like, I mean, I don't want to misfire here. I think it was, like, 34th. Place oh, okay. Like that, you know? Still pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and did Ted forerun with you? Yeah, Ted, Ted did. Ted um, I think it was Jake Zemanski, maybe. Jake. <laughs> Brian Friedman, yeah. Fun names. You've done some trips with Jake, right? Yeah. Yeah. Spider trips. Um, All right. Let's not talk about skiing anymore. You ready? Okay. Okay. No S word. Mm -hmm. We don't have any cookies in the house, but you could bake me cookies. Whoa. Yeah. Whoever says more S words bakes the other person cookies. I thought we were supposed to bake bread during this. Oh, yeah. We could bake bread. Yeah. That's very trendy. We haven't done it yet. Okay. So I'm going to jump in here. Something that to me is like a big part of your personality is you don't do absolutes in the way that like, you're not a fan of saying never, but you're also not a fan of saying always. And it's kind of this like, I don't know, it seems like a, just a full philosophy you have. And I just want to, what, what, what's that about? What's with the no absolutes? Um, I don't think that there's, I don't know that well, I can dig non, out of my, it's not absolute of you to say never say never, but you know right. what I mean? <laughs> you just, you have an um, aversion to like absolutes. Yeah. I'm not really sure where that came from it's not like there's some conscious thing i've decided about that it's more like um i think it's just how my brain works you know knowing that everything's fluid and we don't really know what the next day brings and i think that this moment we're living through right now is a good example of that you know mm-hmm. i feel like it has a lot to do with like you're you're, you're a very curious person that's true i think that some people really appreciate my mindset maybe being the devil's advocate type of person where I tend to see four angles on every situation which uh some people appreciate I think some people get very frustrated by that sometimes some, some people like your girlfriend uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. well I guess that kind of piggybacks onto the other day I was in a spin as happens all the time mm-hmm. meltdown spins tamper tantrums whatever um and you told me your favorite quote which I don't know if it's actually a favorite oh, no. quote, but what I'm was your favorite sure. quote? It was I'm something, sure was something along the lines of don't believe your own thoughts oh, yeah. or don't believe all your own thoughts. What's what's uh, that about? Don't believe everything you think. Don't believe everything you think. <laughs> yes. I think that's a great, great philosophy because um, our minds go rampant, right? Mm-hmm. In directions that don't necessarily reflect reality. And so it's super important to be aware of that, I think. I guess that's the point of meditation or things like that right well you always tell me you've also told me like your thoughts aren't who you are i think that that's definitely true and what do you mean by that again i i wouldn't want to give the impression that i'm way into meditation or anything i think theoretically i would like to be at some point but i'm not 
But uh, I get, you know, the theories behind stuff like that is to be able to observe your thoughts, you know, that's Mm -hmm. who we are is not those things, you know? Yeah. Very, very important reminder. Um, Todd, if you had a superpower, what would it be? Wait, something that I would love to have or something that I actually do have that someone perceive that way? Uh, both. <laughs> That's, I haven't heard the answer that way. So what is your perceived superpower and what is your wished superpower? Um, well, I guess we already touched on that. I think that maybe the perceived one would be the ability to um, kind of not see things from one perspective maybe as we were kind of hitting on there before um i think that's one of like your best qualities is you mm -hmm. have you can see many many perspectives on Mm -hmm. any situation i don't Um, know if that's a superpower uh let's see okay so but more like okay what would i would i like yeah like you're yeah gosh you kind of stumped me because i feel like there's many ways to interpret that question too you know what i mean well just take the first one that comes Um, to mind i guess I was about to say time travel, but that doesn't really work because then you have all those elements of like the butterfly effect type of thing. Right. What about being able to rewind time? Let's say that. Time rewinder? Mm, that would be cool. So that you're not actually going to a point where you'd be affecting some prior or future but circumstance, would, but you'd be able to like Would you maintain consciousness of the future while you did that? Uh, you would, but then the other people wouldn't. Wouldn't maybe. It'd be hard would still be not to like mess it with it. I don't know. I guess I'm, I also tend to think that maybe things unfold as they, as they should probably, or that maybe we place more importance on things as they unfold. So maybe that's, yeah. maybe there's a better one than that, but. What about Hyperloop? It could be a real future thing. You're really into the Hyperloop. Well, I think I'm just into efficiencies, you know, I think that the way we operate as a society in a lot of ways we're just missing the boat on some technologies that we have that would like be really fun and um helpful for our energy usage you know mm-hmm. i mean that's the kind of the way i think <clears throat> an argument that's missed a little bit like in the environmental debates and stuff i think that like growing up and hearing about these technologies and and things like that not only would they create this huge benefits just for society but they would also potentially like just be fun you know like (laughs) kind of like want to live in this future world that we've been not necessarily promised by any means but you know has been revealed to us in some ways so i don't know it seems kind of silly that the vehicles we drive are the same yeah that our parents were you know yeah from an efficiency standpoint even basically yeah hyperloop unless you drive an electric car i guess yeah or hybrid which i'm not Mm-mm. Soon, maybe. Mm. Um, okay. Well, next question is our POW sponsored question. Protect mm. our winner sponsored question. And it's if you could ask every person on the planet to do one thing to make the world a better place, what would you ask of them? So I feel like this is specifically tied into environmental stuff. No? It doesn't have to be. Could be. It could be whatever. Okay. Well, that's where my head's going. Okay. Considering that's where we just were. And yeah. POW sponsored question. I would ask people to embrace the future, you know? Mm -hmm. I think exactly kind of what we were just accidentally covering there, which is that I don't really see, even from an economic standpoint, I understand that some of these systems are very entrenched because there's someone who stands to make a a lot of money off of the current system. But I I also don't really understand why those same people in people in positions of those, you know, power. Fossil fuel companies and such. Yeah, I couldn't embrace and make the same type of 
money in these other ways. But yeah, what I, I would ask them to to think forward, you know, and if every individual was excited about what was coming next. Rather than missing the past. Yeah. Yeah. Embrace so the future. Embrace, embrace the future. Yeah. I feel like that could be a t-shirt. Yeah. Now could be a good t-shirt time. Mm. Since everybody's wearing t-shirts. Yeah. We're not because our house is too cold. But <laughs> we're wearing down jackets inside. Um, okay. So I knew that this was coming down the pipeline. So I put it out there on Instagram to get some listener questions. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of feedback. Okay. You're very popular on my Instagram. All right. Um, people, people love you on my gram. Um, and so there was a lot, there wasn't very many specific questions, but there was a lot of questions that all fell into like the same category. And the first kind of main question everybody had was like, what's up with your hair? Like what's going on here? How do you take care of it? How do you grow it? Why do you grow it? Like all this stuff. So like, let's just do the whole hair conversation that we we've had a lot. So what's going on with your hair? How do you grow it? Let's address that one first. (laughs) Uh, there's been a lot of discussions over the years of like, how do you get your hair so long? You know, and I think that uh, there's a very obvious answer to this, and it's don't cut it, <laughs> because there's a conspiracy within the, you know, hairdresser, hair cutter, barber world that would have you to believe that your hair grows longer by trimming it. And I can guarantee you that if something, if you make it shorter, at the end it's going to be shorter. <laughs> So we're not talking about healthy hair. I understand that some people probably don't want their hair to look like mine. But <laughs> if you want to grow it long, don't cut it. It's the the split, end conspira- split ends conspiracy theory by hairdressers. Right. Todd's not a fan. Well, this, I think there's this idea that it like breaks or something. No, maybe it doesn't look that good. It doesn't, you know. Yeah. I can tell something... you from someone who's had many rounds of very long hair, you just don't cut it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is something we don't agree on but you have longer hair than me um Mm. so how many times have you gotten a haircut in the time that we've been together i don't know i think you know the answer to this question i do but answer it but the listeners don't i don't know i think you tell me like twice or something no you've only got it cut once since we've been together which apparently you feel like i forced you to but i don't really see it that way um it was my suggestion Mm. um and how long have we been together about six years yeah that's one haircut in the last six yeah. years. Well, the truth is that um, I could use one right now. I've that. told you, I, it used to be like a joke. Like, oh, if your hair gets like past your nipples, like I'm breaking up with you. And now it's like a hard line. Like if your hair gets longer than your belly button, I am out. Like uh, there's no way. Uh-uh. Not a chance. Um, no, I, it's not that I want it super long. It's that I don't like the process of. Think uh, it looks ugly for a yeah, while. Yeah, I, it, I don't want pretty hair. People you don't want, want pretty hair. You don't want to miss your beautiful ombre. All... One, one time in the airport, some lady commented you on your ombre. Right. Also, one of the things that happens if you just don't really Natural cut your hair. Natural patina. Yes. Um, what's your, you, I mean, I know, but the question was, what's your hair care regimen? Hmm. Wash it sometimes. <laughs> and use whatever <laughs> shampoo. Yeah, that's true. I try to use whatever Amy, whatever one she's over in the shower my, my least fancy one that yeah yeah so i try to keep up to date about what you brush it every now and then or i'll give you a little oil or something yeah. but sometimes like before a wedding we'll do a little something with the yeah, frizzies i think that's the hardest part it's, it doesn't really ever look nice but i don't yeah, yeah it's not the, the best was um when we were in mexico four years ago or something you 
well, this, the, you smashed your head into a rock when we were surfing, mm-hmm. which was like a bloody disaster. You know, yeah. it was like a full horror scene. We're in the water. And you're like, oh, I think I hit a rock. And like, you're gushing blood. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God. And you're like, should I catch a wave? I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah, we I think go you misunderstood in. that. And is it, I was going to get in a lot quicker by riding I know, but it was just like than... so gruesome. So we go in and there's blood <laughs> everywhere. And I'm like, ah, maybe we can deal with this. And then I like, there's like your hair and there's like pieces of sea rock. And I'm like, oh, guys. So we go to the hospital. And it was, like, right on the top of your head, right at the top of your forehead. Mm. And they had to, like, shave, like, a horseshoe shape, like, right at the top of your hairline, like, Mm. right at the very top. And then you got stitches. Mm -hmm. And um, while that was happening, I was like, well, I mean, he's okay. You know, he's going to cut his hair. Um, Because the scene was ridiculous, you Mm. know? Like, it was an absolutely absurd look, for sure. Mm -hmm. And then you just didn't. That's true. I just didn't. You just let it go. And so you had like this phase of like a bald patch and then you had like tiny hairs and then you had baby bangs. And mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was a questionable. I don't know. Just wearing a beanie. It was like, you know, in the fall, basically in the winter, pretty wearing a hat most of the time. Yeah. Oh my God. It was, it was, a, it was a look. But yeah, so the, that's the answer to the hair situation is it's just natural. Mm-hmm. I think it mostly derives from you have some sort of adversity to haircuts. That's what I it seems like to me. Like you think your hair looks bad for like three months it after does. a haircut. That's, that's the issue really, I think. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. But you don't have like a spiritual connection to it or anything. I haven't really thought about that. I think part of it is. Um, I think it's like your look. I think you like your look. You look like mm-hmm. a rock star. Kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's that. I definitely has grown up. Like my heroes were definitely like rock stars and stuff. And that was, there's definitely an element of that there. I think part of it is just the you know my current career and everything like that is is it like i have this kind of job that allows me to do whatever i want i mean there's a lot of things i could be doing where it probably wouldn't be acceptable but also i think it's just you know the niche or the the world i live in as a skier is super counterculture and it is um you know there's i think when people think of skiing as a whole they don't necessarily see that element of it but the way i live is very much that way you know given up a lot of things to be doing what we do and uh traveling and exploring and not having stability in a lot of ways all these things you know like awesome we are ro- we are rogue never have to shave your face rogue I'm looking, individuals out there you i'm know? looking at your mustache right now and you have like a mustache here that i swear is like three inches long i mean it's just don't act like you're not impressed oh, yeah i just miss your face um, okay. This one was a specific question from a listener. It was from Valerie Snowflake at mm. Valerie Snowflake. Mm. Uh, she would like to know what car- cartoon character would you be? Um, wow. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like other people should answer way. these questions for me, you know? I didn't in the past we have this conversation and you've Wiley Coyote. Yeah, but he's the one who's always getting worked. <laughs> don't you want to be the roadrunner in this okay, situation? Okay, maybe you're the roadrunner. Beep, beep. but i guess wiley coyote is the one who's always doing the big stunts yeah catching the big air off cliffs and things so maybe it fits into that something there Mm -hmm. i I kind of remember some conversation of this sometime but uh okay the next category of questions from the listeners was about cold dips oh yeah what's going on with cold dips how do you do it why do you do it largely i think it's and what is a cold dip like cold dip oh yeah well i mean two nights ago Right. Well, so when we're in Truckee, the river is very close to their place here and we're down there often and uh, it's always pretty cold, even in the middle of summer, actually, it's just kind of a chilly dip. But especially now in the winter, I don't know what the actual water temp is in there, but it's shockingly cold. You have to stand in snow, too, to get, that's like my... Yeah. 
That's like where I don't like it anymore. Yeah. Well, there's a little beach there right now. I'm still not going to back. But anyways, um, yeah, I think that uh, it's really good for you, I think, is the main thing there. But I've always been In into that way? even before I was starting to read all this right. research about that's like longevity and it's good for your DNA and all these things. Mainly, I just think it's something that sort of sets you right. It's something your nervous system shocks you in such a way that like really like wakes you up. You know, it's like amazing when we've all been like on traveling or whatever, when you've been those places where you can, even if it's just like cold ocean or whatever, and you're right there, it's like, I think the first thing you can do in the morning, it gets you rolling, you know? You have to do it when you're super hungover. Yeah, it's definitely the best thing for a hangover for sure. Um, and even if the thing I think people f- tend to think that it makes you colder, and in, in some cases it does, if you get out of that cold water in the snow and it's windy out, like for sure, it can like probably drop your body temp a bit. But I find that often it does the opposite where it sort of, it starts that that engine in your body or whatever it make you feel warmer i mean a lot of times think about when you're taking a really hot shower you get out and, and you turn it off and you're like oh like you're like shocked in an unfortunate way of that you just like want to be back in there but if you take a really cold shower you turn it off and all of a sudden you feel warm and you're stoked yeah. to get out because you, you know? take cold showers too Sometimes. what's your so do you have like advice for people that want to try to approach cold dips more yeah um because you do a little bit of the wim hof breathing yeah which i don't even you know i haven't really studied that i don't know what that's all about it seems like at least partially it's about getting your body like hyper oxygenated before but yeah i mean for for sure i think a lot of his method from what i i mean i've heard listened to some podcasts and stuff about him is about the mental control of your nervous system and also i think the idea of walking people through that process, then they can, um, you know, it's kind of like a mind control exercise as well. Mm-hmm. But what do you Which do? to some degree, yeah, I think I think that's the advice I would give is that like, you know, your body's physical reaction like right away is like, oh, it's going to be like cold. You like shiver before you even get in, right? Like you're, you're reacting to this. So I think it's just a matter of ignoring that, right? So that's like a good thought process, maybe approaching anything that you kind of fear to some degree. It's like, you just sort of, you recognize that in that split second or whatever. And then you're like, no, I'm going to move forward and go for it. You know? So I think that's the same thing with no, like the no, cold water you. thing. It's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think best case is when you can just like jump and like dive in, right? Then yeah. you don't even have that chance to like feel what it's like as you're like wading into it or whatever. You can just, it's about taking that commitment of just diving in, you know? Yeah. I like a good cold plunge, but I'm not necessarily as yeah. gung ho on, on some. I've done a lot of good cold ones, but like this past few days at the river, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's all relative. Like, you know, I think the real people who are searching for the health benefit or like have like gone through the process of like really mastering the exercise. I mean, they're spending long periods of time in really cold water. Right. It's not really about that. To me, it's like I like the, the maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that at some point. I mean, you stay but... in longer than me. I like am in and out like so fast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. like, I maybe, you know, maybe I could get to that point. But yeah, like you really at least do like two head dunks usually. Yeah, or like sit in it for a little bit. But yeah. for sure, I think it's just... It's an amazing reset for your nervous system. We know it's good for you, along with heat stress, you know. Yeah. One day, maybe we'll have a sauna or something. Someday. That's something we can incorporate into our lives, but hopefully, get it while I can. All right. The next category of listener questions. I'm not making this up. Okay. There was a big category of people asking about me. Of course. (laughs) Maybe because it was my social media. Someone even said, um, ask you why you haven't put a ring on it, but I won't put you on spot on the podcast. But anyways, so we'll, we'll we'll kind of like filter this into the other part of the podcast where Mm. you have to do two highs and one low of being my boyfriend. Oh, whoa. 
And you can, you can, I won't, it, this stays in the podcast. I won't take it through the rest of the day. <laughs> it stays in this totally public forum that anyone <laughs> on the planet can listen to? Yeah, just, it stays here. Um, okay. <laughs> Two highs. Well, I think an obvious one is that you have a um, desire for adventure. You know, it's really fun to be with someone who enjoys so much of the same stuff I do. We can go obviously skiing together and surf trips together, camping. And um, yeah, I, I like that you are into a lot of the same things I am, but you're also a very open person, want to experience new things, like to travel. And uh, so you're a good partner in that regard. You're a good long distance driver. We can do that together. <laughs> While you sleep. <laughs> right, sometimes. I drive a lot of the time for people who've seen this uh, sleeping thing on our Instagram, by the way. You sleep so much more than I do. I do sleep sometimes. I do good, sleep I'm a good sleeper, yes. I'm fortunate to be sleeper. able to do that. But I also, what you don't see is that I'm also driving some of the it time. Is true. He does drive sometimes. Is that it? Um, no, that was the end of the first. Oh, okay. <laughs> the first one. Um, let's see. I think you're uh, a very like loyal, caring person. I think that's a very nice quality to have in a partner, especially in our case where we're not always together all the time, you know? So being able to have this person who feels very, um, yeah, just looking out for you, even from a distance, but also just knowing that they're kind of uh, there, you don't have to, you know, worry too much about certain things because, you know, it's, it's a lifestyle that we live and you're often the one, actually, I think you travel more than I do. Probably. So hopefully you feel that same way on my end. Yeah, very yeah. much. I mean, I think with a long distance relationship, you have to have 100% trust. Yeah. So that's one of the things. It feels good. Definitely good about a relationship. All right, what's the low? The low. You get to pick one right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> How much did I uh, publicly out right you now? You can right? tell them whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah? Uh, let's see. I think that you have a tendency to get very frustrated sometimes <laughs> and that can be put out in a way that other people surrounding you have to, to experience, I should say. Are you talking about the hissy fits? I'm talking about some hissy fits, yeah. <laughs> and um, thankfully, I think you have a way to move beyond them and dwell on these types of things sometimes. But from an outside observer standpoint who has a very sort of even keel type um personality sometimes it feels a little extreme to observe extreme or get hissy wrapped fits. up into i should say so i'm gonna yeah. leave it at that okay the lowers the hissy fits we knew that was coming yeah. okay uh, a couple more quick things from the interwebs uh banagua can you please tell the people about banagua banagua well i think just drinking very ripe bananas is a much better way than eating very ripe bananas but i've been told by very educated sources that that's the way they should be eaten the bananas ripe. should be eaten when they're really so Banagua is banana water. Right, yes. Yeah. So, so what there's a lot do? of variations on this, but essentially it's just blended bananas in water. <laughs> Shout out to my friend Russ Crandall for, um, that would be a whole story in and of itself. Well, I was going to have you tell the banana man story, but I was going to keep it Yeah, I got on this tip because he... Um, tell him about the banana man. Yeah, my, my friend guy. Russ, who's one of my best friends, he was experimenting with essentially a banana diet where he was only eating bananas. <laughs> Um, he would sometimes include like a bowl of rice or something, but it was essentially just bananas. And I think I don't want to misstate uh, his intentions there. Uh, he made it like a month. 
Of only eating bananas, basically. Essentially, yeah. yeah. So, wow. but the theory was is that you could eat excessive amounts of calories of it had to be organic too, and like of the right ripeness, but of something that your body doesn't necessarily have like bad byproducts from. Like, if you ate like all steak or something, you'd probably be getting something in your system that was too much, right? So, in this case, the theory was that you could just have tons of calories without really like any, I think, bad effect of that. And um, you have to tell a story of watching him in the grocery store. Oh, oh man, it was like like Donkey Kong. I, I seriously <laughs> ran into him. I think it's happened on more than one occasion, but it's really impossible to. So he was eating like 30, 35 a day, basically. Wow. Um, very hard to get. 35. 35 organic bananas of the right ripeness, especially when you're only shopping at like sort of one grocery store. In this case, it was a local one in Park City. Um, so, but he ended up having to, you know, shop at a lot of different places to even have this. And then in his house, he had this like literal like shelf that was like uh, ceiling height full of bananas, just like ripening and stuff. So it was all at the right stages. But anyways, I don't want to get too far down that hole. I mean, he wasn't eating all these. The way he would do it was just blending them with water. And yeah. then he would just have like this shake that he was drinking all day. But Banago is like your go-to. It's like in the morning you drink it. Like sometimes you'll make me drink one before I go to bed if we've been like out partying. It was great for, uh, yes, hangovers, for sure. Bananas, recovery. I think, a great recovery thing. So. And some, so it's about being able to eat. Because sometimes when bananas are super ripe, they're kind of gross to eat. But that's something the best like for you. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But so you put them in a blender with water and ice. Sometimes you put a little sprinkle of cinnamon, a little like bit the, of milk. This morning you threw a couple of blueberries in mine. Right, sure. But the general formula, I guess, is it sounds cinnamon, gross. water, and bananas. I mean, it all sounds like gross. There's no way that it doesn't sound gross. Because I remember when we first started dating, I was like, what? This is disgusting. But now I'm like big on the Banagua program. So yeah. I would just encourage no. you guys... You know, we're all getting kind of weird with recipes. We probably all have a lot of like past due bananas. Yeah, that's true. If you're doing these huge shops, you probably have some super ripe So you should try Banagua. Mm-hmm. Just banana, water, and I think a couple ice cubes gives it a nice texture. A couple texture. ice cubes and cinnamon, I think, is the, is the basic good. formula. But obviously I don't like the cinnamon in it if it. you're not going to put a splash of water or milk in it. Yeah. No, I don't. I only like the cinnamon if there's like a little milk of some sort. You never told me this now. Well, now you know. Okay. Uh, okay. Oh, but anyways, I should just say that the banana diet the banana diet in the end he felt like he was did not have enough energy and completely bonked on like a bike ride like you said he'd never done before and then stopped that but so there are some people who are like fruitarians out there i'm sure you could youtube that and learn about it if you were curious but i also think that a single banana has a lot of good potassium if you're blending with the water you're getting a bunch of water first thing in the day or whatever it's all good stuff um okay we're talking long but we got nothing, nowhere to go today, so I okay. guess we'll keep going. Last listener question was about you, as far as I know for sure, you're like a world-class sleeper, and you're such a good sleeper that over the course of our relationship, like, I now have become a good sleeper, and so- you're what? Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Like, what is your, like, what's your advice to be, because I think a lot of people are bad sleepers, mm. and I think that we both agree that sleep is, like, the number one thing. Like, anytime I get interviewed about, like, a wellness tip or anything i'm like sleep like just mm. you need to get more sleep you know right. like you really sleep if you're not getting enough sleep everything else is totally not gonna work and i think you kind of agree yeah. with that so like what's your advice to people to like get better at sleep oh that's a good question um like sleep is your favorite thing i feel like, like even this morning you like said like that, like your biggest concern with having kids would be the fact that it would like be no, bad for your sleep. Well, I do think that like people, <laughs> I mean, we have a lot of friends with kids at this point. It's like you do. I do feel like they age a bit, like in those couple years of like having a young baby or a child, and 
I think that that's mostly what's going on there, you know? They're not sleeping. If you just cut your sleep in half or whatever, which happens for certain people. Every people with babies. Um, I don't know. I think, I, I mean, I got to say for sure it's like partially genetics. Like my grandfather Vern was the guy who we would take naps with for sure. <laughs> Sleeping all over the place. And my brother Scott is well known within his circle of friends and family is also a didn't he, Excellent sleeper. Didn't he used to fall asleep on the chairlift? I think he fell asleep like actually skiing at one point, like, <laughs> like in the edgy wedgies or something. Maybe some story about that. But I still think it's it's kind of just about, I think it's the, you know, the clutter going on in your mind that's probably, I presume, is what kind of keeps people up or not allowing them to sleep. And I think that just kind of the basic concept of like mentalizing through stuff doesn't really work, right? Like. Mm-hmm sitting there rethinking about something over and over and over is probably not going to affect that situation, uh, especially when that's some situation that's going to arise that you're going to deal with in the when in the future when that future is the present moment. Mm-hmm. So I think to me, it's sometimes it's just an exercise if I feel like my um, thought process is going in that way where it's distracting or to keep me up or something, then taking that moment to think about, you know, developing a method to set stuff aside, you know? Mm-hmm. I really think that that's more it than anything. I think it's also about giving yourself enough time to actually sleep. Well, I mean, I think that's the really obvious stuff. It's like, are you actually putting yourself in bed? I mean, I'm not. No, I don't think I even excel in that way. I think I'm also one of those people. Since we've been together, like, I always used to be the person that, like, I would sacrifice sleep to get up early and get a workout in before, like, a flight or a day or whatever. And then, like, since, like, you know, my more changed philosophy at this point is, like, you know, actually an hour of sleep is much better for me than a 30 minute run. And so if I have to choose between the two, I mean, obviously ideally I'd love both, but not every day allows for that. And so like Mm. for me, when it, when like, when it comes to making those decisions, like now I choose sleep over other things, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is a fundamental change for me just because I've always been like, go, go, go. And I think that's what it's like choosing sleep as a priority. Right. Uh, no, I think that's good advice, but I don't know if that relates to like my personal skill set at it, you know? I no, don't know that really I even really get to bed but... at the appropriate time all the time. I also yeah. think that it's important to like not stress about it if you have those windows where you're not getting enough sleep. Like a lot of times, you know, if you get in like a ski film schedule, oh, what is that? You said skiing like a lot, but it's okay. okay. Well, you're going to bake sorry. cookies later. Right? Um, Anyways, but like, you know, where you're going to be getting up super early and you're in the process of traveling, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there are definitely, I mean, times are just not going to hit that mark. I don't stress about that either. It's just about like uh, sleeping well. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Last few things. Quick. You have to do this quick. First thing that comes to mind, we're going to do two highs, one low the last year of your life. Not about skiing. Not about skiing. Is it? Go quick. Um, I don't know. I think traveling, first thing that comes to mind for sure. So we got to do a surf trip in the fall to Hawaii. And um, it was awesome. It was really awesome. Second high. Thank you to the Coles for oh, yeah. giving us a good deal on the condo. <laughs> Second high. You know, I think it goes to explain the first things that come to mind are the things I'm not supposed to talk about right now, I guess. Yeah, but. So, but that maybe that's insight into how our brains work. I think we all know we're obsessed with the S word. Yeah. But what's your second favorite non S word? Hi. Gosh, you should have thought about this before. You've listened to I'm the looking podcast at Bill right now. Is Bill a high? He's a, he's a high highlight of our lives. Bill is great. Bundle of joy, our little poodle. Uh, well, he's not that little. A medium sized poodle. Moyen. Yeah. Okay. One low. One low. I mean, I think that 
the current era is very obvious just what's going on right now stressful stressful for us but um certainly way more stressful for some people who are being more directly affected by this than us. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, time will tell how this thing plays out in society as a whole over time. But yeah, just just dealing with not being able to do the things that we want to do and feeling for the people that are in bad situations, in bad situations like worse than us right now. So the coronavirus. Yeah, that is a big low. Yeah, a big low. And I mean, of course, we can also thank people working in healthcare and in emergency response efforts. Sure, and, yeah. And, you know. Like I said, I think that as much of an inconvenience as is, is even for us, like, doesn't even scratch the surface compared to no. how some people are having to deal with this. So No. But I do think there's something about maybe this is an opportunity. I, I think a lot of our culture and society has become so divided, obviously. And mm. the fact that, like, now we actually have to physically divide from each other and mm. be away from each other. I'm hoping that at some point, you know, there is this appreciation for unity and community and people because those are the things like we have never had taken away in our lives you know we've always found ways to put up walls between each other and categorize each other and so now maybe one benefit on the other side of this could be maybe a deeper appreciation of people and unifying i hope i hope i I think that's probably maybe too hopeful but um okay last thing on the podcast tell a story really quick and i know you didn't prepare a story no, but, but I, I knew this was should, kind of coming. So I'm, tell the story that we talked about you telling. Well, I think you had mentioned a couple of things, but the one I'm going to tell is actually not related wow. to me. So I hope that's fair game, you know? Yeah, it's really um, to No. It's oh, not. it's not? What no. story are you going to tell? Talk the one that Roger told me. Okay. So uh, this was a coach I had when I was a kid. <laughs> it's actually sort of a vague memory. Awesome dude. Roger was his name. But anyways, uh, he was on a trip down in Australia, probably a ski trip actually. And um, for people who've never been to Australia, kangaroos are everywhere. It's kind of like, I don't know, like the Western US, I think it's a bit like deer, you know, they're just around sometimes. Unfortunately, they get hit on the road when you're driving. In this case, Roger and his friend smashed a kangaroo with their van. And um, being idiotic tourists, I guess. And uh, young boys. Yeah, sure. They got out to like, I don't know, maybe see if they could help the kangaroo, see if it was okay kind of thing. Turns out the kangaroo was not okay, but they're like, okay, they're already there, set up. They're like, okay, well, I guess this is like their random photo op. So they decided that they thought it would be a little bit funny if they uh, put their jacket on the kangaroo and took some photos with, I think, maybe some sunglasses involved. Like, on Wasn't the... it like a, like a, what are those jackets? Oh, called? it's like so ridiculous. Like one of those... Uh, I guess I'd call it like a coach's jacket, but like imagine a like a starter. Jacket. Yeah, but you yeah. know, like like a sort of satiny, like shiny <laughs> sports jacket. I think it was a like a Lakers one. Like imagine like a bright purple, <laughs> shiny jacket. So they're putting this up on the kangaroo and uh, like sort of leaning against a tree or something to get like the, the appropriate angle, get the shot. Turns out the kangaroo is not actually dead, but just stunned. <laughs> So wakes up, I can only imagine the scenario of the panic ensuing as like the circus of, you know, this live animal, in some cases, really big kangaroos are not, you know, something that you necessarily want to be right next to, as far as I know. And so it takes off bounding throughout the, through the field, but wearing the jacket still. <laughs> and uh, so that's, that's a problem, um, or just- probably for many, many reasons, but they come to realize after like, 
you know, the situation settled a little bit, the kangaroo's gone with the jacket, that the keys of the van <laughs> were in the jacket pocket. So that kangaroo was out there wearing the jacket <laughs> with the keys in the pocket and they were completely hosed. But I think that uh, for some reason, it's really funny to imagine you think that that kangaroo was like, all of a sudden, like the coolest kangaroo there or shunned. I don't know. I kind of like to hope that it was all he of a sudden like the cool. badass kangaroo. Because he like bounced cool, back to like the other like kangaroos. Wearing and was the like, purple shiny jacket. jacket you know? Yeah. <laughs> but it is, uh, I've skied down in Australia, Threadboat, and actually our coach hit one up there and didn't make it to the coach's meeting, which it's without explaining that too much when you're an athlete, like you have to have someone represent you at the meeting because they like get the bib and mm. the organizers know you're there, blah, blah, blah. So we still got to race. I'm not sure how that worked out, but he, I know he didn't make it to the meeting because he had a kangaroo. So it turns out that those things are actually at Snowline up there, wow. which I didn't know until that trip. So Wombats kangaroos too. ski. Yeah, you know. Wombats. So. Oh man. Okay. We have to stop. This is too long. Our podcast is usually much shorter than this. Um, mm. That was a good story. I'm glad you didn't tell the story of me. I thought you were going to tell an Amy Tantrum story. Oh, yeah? But we'll, we'll, you guys can reach out on social media. We'll tell you that one. Um, Send me a message on my Instagram and I'll yeah. tell you the well, one that Tell people where they you. can keep following you. Uh, yeah, please. Uh, Instagram, I think, is a good one right now. Just my name, at Todd Laguerre, no spaces or anything. That's probably yeah. it's the best back there at the moment at for Todd sure. Um, and you guys, Twitter, of course, know where to find me at Amy Ski. You can see a lot of uh, Todd sleeping on that channel. But yeah, thank you guys for listening, for tuning in. I just want to say that my heart's with all of you guys that we're not able to be out skiing and, and everybody's lives are so affected. And I want to say, you know, a huge thank you to anybody in healthcare. Again, anybody in emergency response, uh, the people working in grocery stores, the people that are out there, you know, not making memes about cabin fever, the people that are, you know, people that are ill, you know, my heart is with so many people right now. And I hope that you guys are staying healthy, you're staying safe, and you're staying sane somehow. So um, yeah, feel free in this time, reach out, send me questions, suggestions, all that stuff. We are still here making long underwear podcasts from the house. So um, yeah, thank you guys. Who else are you going to get in this quarantine time? Yeah, the next quarantine guest is TBD. We'll, we'll let you know soon. But um, we, we thank you guys so much for listening. And um, yeah, just stay healthy, happy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you, Todd. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time on Long Underwear. Snow. As skiers and riders, we love snow. But have you ever thought of snow as a currency? Snow is not just for the snow lovers or haters. Snow is the engine of the robust snow sports economy. Winter sports tourism, skiing, snowboarding, cross-country skiing, snowmobiling, can add a whopping $11.3 billion of economic value to the U.S. economy. A low snowfall year with reduced ski visits takes a $1 billion bite out of the U.S. economy and costs 17,400 jobs when compared to an average season. What's this got to do with climate change? Long story short, warmer temperatures mean warmer winters. Warmer winters mean less snow, which means less winter recreation and tourism. Learn more about how you can pledge to vote to protect and support the winter economy at protectourwinners.org. This podcast was brought to you by Warren Miller Entertainment, who you can follow on social media at Warren Miller ENT to keep the good times rolling. Long Underwear was produced by me, Amy Ingerbretson, as well as Jesse Hackett and Jessica McGee from the Warren Miller Entertainment team. 